Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. You can watch us on the Simulcast Stadium, 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111 on this. I don't know. It's a little more than mostly troubled. We'll just say flat-out troubled Tuesday morning edition of Footnotes. We've got, uh, once again, we'll have uh, Michael Schwab of the Juice Box Journal, and we've got some weighty issues to discuss with him. It's been all fun and games because the Astros have been in first place in this division for a long, long time now and have a humongous lead. But uh, the, the, the fun and games is over, and it is um, – Got serious issues on the Astros team, and we'll be discussing those with Michael about 9.35. Um, Saints, it is cut down day. We'll be throwing around some names. Philip Lindsay is the la- latest name that you hear. The guy that I wanted, Kenyon Drake. We already had a nickname ready for him. I don't know that we've ever had that before. I don't know that we've ever had a nickname ready for someone even before he came to the Saints. Maybe so, but I don't remember it right off the bat. And, you know, all signs, the report is that he's going to the Ravens. Sonny Michelle was released yesterday by the Dolphins. He visited the Saints back in, what, May or something like that. Um, and ended up signing with the Dolphins. I don't understand why, because they already had 75 running backs. They've been speculating that maybe Ronald Jones would get cut by the Chiefs. I don't know if that, I don't know if they've released their cuts yet, but I haven't heard, but they've been speculating he was going to get cut for weeks by the Chiefs. Corey Clement had, he was released. He has some experience as a running back, played for the Eagles. And Duke Johnson's another guy, a little bit more of a third down kind of guy. Not really what I'm looking for, but he is a veteran. He was released. Now, some of these guys theoretically could go on the practice squad. I guess they've loosened the rules for that, even though some of them are veterans. But like I've been saying all along, I'm not real picky. Like, again, Kenyon Drake intrigued me more than most of these other guys. But um, I trust their talent evaluation. I just don't trust whether the Saints are looking at the need for it um, as much as I am. I, I think that some people are in love with Tony Jones. Obviously, I am not one of them. Um, so we'll see there. Hi, obviously, college football got lots to look forward to on the weekend and we'll continue we'll be talking with Cody Juno about 10:15 about the Cajuns and going into their opener with Southeastern and it is um it's time. I mean, you could tell, look, I've been feeling this way for 2 or 3 weeks now. 
But you can tell when Coach Dez was at yesterday's normal Monday presser, it's like, all right, enough of all of this. I mean, let's play. I mean, let you know, we're tired of talking about what might happen. It's uh, it's time. It's past time, and uh, that comes um, this weekend. Cajuns play around six o'clock at home against Southeastern LSU. Plays about. 6.30 on Sunday against Florida State. I mean, these plays Montana State. Ugh. That's a fur piece from Montana to Lake Charles. About 7 on Saturday. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kevin. Howdy, sir. Hey. Um, I was going to talk about Duke Johnson. That I don't know. When he got released, I used to I had him on my, uh, my fancy team, I don't know, a couple years back, but – he, he did pretty well when I had him, you know. Um, right, he, so, he you know he had a couple good years with the with the Browns and and, and he's seemed like he went to the Texans after that maybe. Yeah, he was with yeah. The Texans. Um, I um, again, I think he's an NFL running back. I kind of look at him a little bit more as like a like a third down, like a um, more of a third down receiving type back. But that's not to say he hasn't gotten it done on. On earlier downs as well. Again, I, I if they got Duke Johnson, I certainly would not be upset. But I, I want a guy that could carry a little bit more accomplished at carrying the load for you know even if it's for half a season. But you know, again, I'm, I'm not picky here. So like, uh, um, I've been going back and forth with someone about you know getting a, uh, a running back. <clears throat> he seems to think that you know it's not the bigger deal, but he's also saying that he doesn't think that they're going to add anyone until week two. Because for money reasons, and they'll be able to move him on and off the practice squad as they as they as they need. That's you know I don't know what that has to do with uh, signing. Yeah, I've always said I, I I'm I'm a terrible I'm not, I'm a terrible sports lawyer. I don't know all them rules, and they all none of them make any sense to me. But um, but no, look I I don't know. Look, if they don't pick anyone up till week two or three, it's I'm fine with that, I guess. You know, because I'm I would hope that they wouldn't need them by then, but um, and nobody would be getting worn out by then. But man, I just I just hope that they really understand that they need it, and um, we'll see. I mean, it, I look, is it impossible that Tony Jones can do a good job? No, that's not impossible, yes. but. I think I I, I I think it's close. I think it's highly, highly unlikely. But and you know what's funny? Like, okay, so they they want to keep Kirk Merritt. At least he's shown something. He's shown a lot more than Tony Jones ever has with us. You know what I'm saying? He's an undrafted guy, <laughs> and they both are. And you know, again, I, I just think there's potentially too much riding here. And I guess. The Saints are always thinking if they really do get injuries that they can always go pick up someone. But why take that chance? You just don't know who's going to be available. I just, I don't even want to go down that road. I, I don't know why they want to go down this road. But hopefully but something you know, something like, gets done. It's just aggravating that they're all excited about Kirk Merritt and they want to keep Tony Jones. And y'all can't see the difference between like the two players. You know what I'm saying? Like Kirk Merritt has shown he looks like he belongs, and Tony Jones does not. I don't know. Well, the it thing is, about Kurt Merritt is, I mean, everyone's excited about him. I get it, but what is he going to do? I mean, he's not going to be a, a, 
uh, any, there's no chance of him being an above-average running back, and he's not going to get many passes even if you keep him as a receiver because there's too many receivers ahead of him. Other than returning kickoffs, what could he possibly do to help this team? I, I'm just I'm just not all – I don't get the whole upside on Kirk Merritt. I mean, if you get to him at wide receiver, we got issues, serious <laughs> issues. If we get to him at running back, we got serious issues. I, I, don't, I, I, I don't get the Kurt Merritt thing. I don't know why anybody even is worried about it or talking about it. I, now, I understand he's from Destrehan, so he's from that area, and it's, you know, that's fine. And I got no problem when, you know, if they decide he's going to make the team and he's going to return kicks, that's fine. They need a kick return. I, I'm big in special teams. I get that. I'm fine if he makes the team, but he's not worth all this conversation. How is he going to help this team other than kick return? <laughs> I don't know. I don't get Maybe it. Think, just think about depth. Like, you know, they're thinking like Traquan Smith, um, he's hurt, right? He's on IR, right? No. No. Now, oh, okay. they could put him there. You know, some people believe that the best, the safest thing for Traquan being on this team is going on IR. So we'll see how that plays out. Yeah. All right, Ken. Okay. All right. You. Thanks. And, um, no, I mean, I, I, I got no problem with Kurt Merritt, but I, I don't, I don't see what all the fuss is. Oh, he, he's playing running back. Well, they talked about that at the beginning of camp, and, and who cares? I don't want him playing running back in a meaningful game. Now, I understand that maybe in a pinch you might need him, but, uh, man, if you get to that point, you got issues. I don't want to even go down that road right now. We had all those issues last year and the year before. We need to be done with those issues. Kurt Merritt. We need to be focused on getting a backup running back. That's what we need to be focused on, in my opinion, and an offensive tackle. Because, again, there's no question offensive tackle can mess with you. I mean, we've all seen it. I mean, we anybody who was around in 17, could you, you could just, the, the, you know, it was such a good feeling to have drafted Ryan Ramchek and have him come through and, you know, I can't even remember how many times we said, man, can you imagine if Ramchek wouldn't have come through and been the player that he's been? We'd be in trouble. Saints would be in big trouble right now. And he, it, it's great when you draft a guy and they come, when they come true, you know, come through for you. And so you need that. So I, I understand how valuable the tackle could be. Hopefully they, they address that issue as well. All right, let's go. To the game hotline. Hello. Foot, what's up, man? How are you, sir? I'm doing very well. I'm, I'm doing a lot better than you because I believe in Tony Jones. Oh, I know you do. I, I don't. And, and look. What have uh, you previous, seen? The previous caller said that the man doesn't look like he belongs. I, I'm, I'm failing to see what the anti-Tony Jones crowd is seeing because I see him making plays. I've seen him make plays. I, I don't understand. What is so bad about Tony Jones? I saw him sutter step in the first game and didn't get a first down on a third and short. All of your points that you're making about guys like Kenyon Drake, who already signed, I guess, and and Sony Michelle and those guys that have done it before, I, those are valid. But I, we haven't even seen haven't, Tony Jones hasn't had a chance to prove himself yet. 
and and we're so down on him. I feel like he has he has some good qualities. So you're ready to put the running game on Tony Jones? I would prefer to get one of those guys that you're talking about. But if we don't, I feel like we're fine with Tony Jones as a number three guy. And if somebody gets injured, I think he's going to do fine stepping into the role. See, for a but of again, games. again, my problem is, and I, I struggle when you say number three, I, I just cringe because I think we're equating number three running back with number three quarterback or number three offensive tackle. Well, who cares if he's hurt? He's our third string offensive tackle. No, those two things are not even close to the same. Your number, what you're calling number three quarterback running back is your backup running back. Because your top two running backs go play. They're both starters, and they go in and out the whole game. They're both starters. This The spot we're talking about is a backup running back, the most injured position in football. When have we ever had a team in Saints history where the number three running back matters? Huh. Kiri Robinson was a number three running back, as which you're calling a number three running back. He was very important. He had one of the he had one of the ten best plays in Saints history. Right, but I'm talking about the teams that the teams that made it, the teams that went far, the teams that had a chance to win a Super Bowl. I think if we lose Alvin Kamara or Mark Ingram, we don't have a chance to win a Super Bowl. I don't care if we bring Sonny Michelle or King and Drake or, or whoever, Barry Sanders, it don't matter. Oh, I if, don't if know. We lose, I don't know. If we lose Kamara or Ingram. <laughs> well, it, 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 if you lose 41, you, you, it's going to be tough. I agree. But if you lose Superman, I mean, he's easily replaceable. He's yes, a dime a dozen player right now. I agree with that. I agree with that. So if we're talking about a guy that we're bringing in, to, to fill the gap to win a Super Bowl, I don't know if any of these guys matter, which is why I don't think it, I don't think plus, the gap between Kenyon Drake and Tony Jones is that big. Plus, the other thing is, if they do it my way, that that backup running back is actually getting some carries to 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 keep Z twenty eight from becoming a dump truck. Everyone is so they they. We're in a division with the Arnolds. We see what they did to Christian McCaffrey, and we keep wanting to do the same thing with Z28. Y'all are driving me crazy. Use that no, as an no. example. We need to protect this cat. We don't want to make him a dump truck. Well, I think the offense is going to be different this year. I think they have a lot of weapons now. Last year, they didn't have any weapons. They had to use him that way. This year, the offense is going to be set up to protect him. So I, I don't think it's – I don't think it's either or with that point. I think the way the offense is built now with the weapons that they have and Michael Thomas coming back and the guys they've added, now you don't have to rely on Kamara to be the leading receiver like he was last year. You have these guys that you can distribute the ball to, and therefore Kamara gets to rest. I think, I think the offense is built fine now, but I think it all the only way we get to where we want to go, which is a Super Bowl, is with, is with Kamara. And if he's out and we have to rely on Kenyon Drake – or Sony Michelle, 
Yeah, but those guys, I don't know. I mean, you're probably right there, but I still think this team could be good enough in all areas to withstand that uh, for a short period of time, depending on how long it would be. But even last year, even last year, if they had listened to me and gotten a real backup running back, they wouldn't have had to depend on 41 that much. Even last year, as beat up as they were, they just they never addressed it. I mean, they, they need a backup running back. I think we have one, and I think his name is Tony Jones. Well, if you're right, um, I'm going to allow you to crow. But you know if you're wrong, it's going to be ugly. I understand. Thank All right. For- Thanks, Nick. The man loves Tony Jones. The man loves Tony Jones. He has one of them big blow-up shawls in his room of Tony Jones. Tony Jones. All right, let's um, take a timeout. I'm going to focus on this Tony Jones fan fan club push, and uh, we'll try to regroup. We'll be back on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Do you ever wonder what kind of coach foot would have been? When they hit it to you and you're in the major leagues, you catch the ball. That's the way that works. Yeah, he may be better suited for talking sports than coaching them. Back to footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Before we get back to the game hotline, want to remind you the ultimate tailgate giveaway. Football season is here. We'd like to give you the ultimate tailgate where you could be called the tailgating king. You could win $500 to chop specialty meats, a new grill with all the accessories, a cooler, a set of chairs, a $500 Visa gift card, Tickets to Cajun football games, tickets to LSU football games, and more. To be eligible to win this incredible prize, you simply need to join the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. It's the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the game. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. We'll be speaking with Michael Schwab of the Jukesbox Journal in the next segment. Got some weighty issues to discuss having to do with the Astros, uh, who, by the way, are four games up on the Yankees because late last night, the little MVPs won again. The Yankees lost twice to the A's over the weekend. They lost to the little MVPs last night, uh, four to three. And the little MVPs have gotten hot all of a sudden. They've won four in a row. They swept the Blue Jays in Toronto, and then they beat the Yankees last night. So we'll see. Astros are four up for the number one seed in the American League, but they got serious issues. So we'll be discussing those with um, with Michael. And then, again, we'll talk Cajun football with Cody Juno in the next hour, about 10-15. And uh, anybody wants to talk LSU or – any of the NFL stuff, and we'll be trying to kind of see if there's any more running backs that get released before the end of the show that maybe the Saints could pick up. We'll go back to the game hotline. Hello. Yes, hello. Hello, sir. All right, I, I want to bring back up the running back situation. Uh, I kind of agree with you 
with the running back situation, and I was just listening to the last caller, and I want to bring up a point that you brought up. Uh, with the third running back situation, you, you remember Chris Ivory? Oh, absolutely. Two by four. Okay. That's the type of running back you need. You need, you need a, a big fullback type bruising running back. I Man, mean, it, absolutely. If we could get a Kiri Robinson, you know, I, you know, a 2022 version of Kiri Robinson or two by four, I'd be all for it. Yes, sir. I, I, I mean, when you play teams that, that, that that's vulnerable to the run and you have to run the ball, you can't just keep passing the ball and slinging the ball and throwing the ball in the outside and screen plays. I mean, when they're giving you the run, you got to take the run. And I mean, like, like I said yesterday, Kamara is not that run up the whole guy. And I mean, you can't depend on Ingram to do it every every single play because he's not going to be there all year round. So, I mean, Tony Jones haven't showed me anything the, the, the time he's been there. So when you say the third running back, that that really is your backup running back. No, and it is. It is. Now, the, now, Darren, the, the other thing to consider, and it, this is true, it is possible that Batman can do a little bit of that what you and I are talking about. So that that is something to consider. I mean, I, I think on occasion Batman can do some of that as well. But no, I, I still want a backup running back. I agree. But 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 you can't count on Taysom to do that either. That 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 if you say everything that the Saints have, that's the element of the team they're missing. The fullback type running back that can just. Hey, go get that two, three, four tough yards that we need when the the, the they're lining up eight in the box, and, and we need that. That's what they're missing. And you you you're saying Duke Duke Johnson, and that's to me like a scat back, just like you're saying a, a kick returning type type guy. When, when when I'm looking for a running back, I want a, a two thirty two two thirty five two twenty five type guy that can hit the hole and drag a few guys with him. That's the type of backup running back type guy I'm looking for to carry the load and take some of the beating for the rest of the guys. And that's all. I, that's the point I'm trying to prove. I understand. I appreciate the call, sir. Thank you. <clears throat> now, like, again, Duke can do, and I don't know, I don't really think they're going to get Duke Johnson. I'm just bringing his name up because he was a NFL veteran running back that was released. Um but Duke is more of like a very poor man's uh, Z28 in that he really is a very adept at catching him. He's a third down back. I mean, on, on a really good team, he's a third down back. There's nothing wrong with that. He just, um, and you know, I've seen him carry the ball, and it's not like he can't carry the ball. He can. I, I wouldn't be totally against getting him. I just, I want to, I'd like a little bit more of a runner like like Darren was saying. We'll see how it play out. Look, I understand that the Saints the Saints know more about their assessment of these players. The Saints know, obviously, more about what's going on than we do. I get that. I've just been trumpeting this pick up a backup running back thing for a long time, and they don't seem to, um, you know, they, they invited a lot of people in. But again, I think that was more because they were worried about this suspension thing, not because they really are looking for a backup running back. Uh, and I just think that's a mistake. And uh, <clears throat> maybe they agree with Nick. 
And they just love Tony Jones. I just... Look, I know many of you would never even dream about putting any credence into this whole Notre Dame thing. But I just... I mean, really? I mean, I, I think the Saints are due some breaks. But, boy, would that be a break? An undrafted free agent from Notre Dame is going to save the day for the Saints. That's what Nick wants me to believe. An undrafted free agent from Notre Dame is going to save the day for the Saints. That'd be a good one. That'd be a coup. That's a little bit too much. Look, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a glass, I'm a glass half full guy. I'm certainly a glass half full uh, Saints fan and uh, an Astro fan. But wow, that that even for me, that's a little bit of a stretch. Game hotline is seven zero six zero one 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 seven zero six zero one one one. One of the things we're going to be watching today. Raymond Colley's already been cut by the Rams. Trey Regis has been doing pretty good for the Rams. I thought he did pretty good for the Raiders last year, and he still kind of he he still didn't stick. So, you know, the problem with Trey Regis is again undrafted free agent, not a veteran. I really want a veteran who's been there, done that. But Trey Regis is that kind of a back that Darren was speaking of. Uh, but I really want a veteran who's been there, done that. Uh, you know, and again, even like I said, even if it's been for one season or even a half a season, they've at least done it. I don't know. Maybe I value experience too much, especially at that position. I guess experience is more important at the um, at other positions more than running back. That's one of the two or three positions that people say that if you go to a new team, you could play right away or play right away quicker or have a better chance of playing right away because it's more of a of an instinct kind of position, an athletic position. But I don't know. I still value experience. Um, something else that we have not mentioned today before we go to a timeout and then shift gears to Astro Baseball with Michael Schwab is – the whole Jimmy G thing, we've been talking about this, you know, think of all of the, all the time wasted talking about Kevin Durant, and he went nowhere, and Kyrie Irving, he went nowhere, and all the time talking about where in the world is Jimmy G going to go, and he went nowhere. Um, it's, it's interesting. Uh, obviously, they feel like, Again, I've been – I haven't made my predictions. We'll do that next week, my official predictions. Pretty good chance I'm going to – you know, right now I'm kind of deciding between – I'm not one that ever picks my teams. I've done it before, but very, very seldom. I, I just don't like doing it. I'm not superstitious, but I just feel like you're setting yourself up for trouble when you pick your team to win it all. So um, I'm pretty sure my pick for, or I was strongly considering my pick to go to Super Bowl from the NFC being the cheaters. 
Uh, they should have been in the Super Bowl last year. They just tore it. Who, by the way, I don't know if you noticed that. He got cut. He got released. The guy that dropped, he, he was a veteran. He's been with him for, I don't know, six, seven years, something like that. He got released. If he'd have just caught that pass last year, they'd have won it. They'd, they'd have, you know, it'd have been a whole different scenario. I think they'd have been in the Super Bowl. Um, <clears throat> so I, I'm, and, and I'm thinking that as strange as Jimmy G staying after all this, you know, all the offseason, and it seemed like they were leaking negative stuff about him, at least that was the assumption of a lot of people, just really strange. If they can figure out a way to make it work, probably makes their team stronger because if he gets hurt, Lance, or he's just, you know, not as good as they think he is, then they've got a viable backup who's been to the Super Bowl before. So it's, um, you know, I think it probably makes their case stronger, the fact that he uh, did that. Probably be good to beat them. Saints will get that chance. All right, we'll, we'll take a timeout. When we come back, shift gears, talk about the Astros with Michael Schwab of the Juice, Juice Box Journal. We'll be back on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Kevin Foote. The real an award-winning journalist, popular sports talk show host, and a man who apparently moonlights as a doctor. A medicine season of a different strand in 12, obviously, because the criminal commissioner decided to inflict them with, with the, the whole bounty gate silliness. His descriptions of illnesses are extremely concise. Not a normal strand of a medicine season. It was a different strand. This out of the blue from Timbuktu and all of this bounty gate silliness. Dr. Foote is ready to write a prescription for what ails your favorite team here with more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Before we get to Michael Schwab at the Juice Box Journal to discuss some pretty big issues having to do with the Astros, I want to remind you about Astro Giveaway 5. Astros will be playing the Tampa Bay Rays on Saturday, October the 1st. If you would like to win four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park and hotel accommodations, you simply need to join the game clubhouse. And if you do, you could win those tickets. Astro Weekend Getaway, powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian, Houston Downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. All right, we have with us Michael Schwab had a very, you know, it was a winning week last week, but, man, scoring runs was awfully difficult. And with the news of more hand injuries, with Yardon Alvarez, known as El Perro Grande on this show, um, it seems like runs could be tougher to come by in the near future as well. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. Thanks, Kevin. How are you doing? Oh, man, I'm trying. Football season's about to start. We've got some, you know, issues arising with the Astros, you know, while they're kind of in cruise control, so I'm a little concerned. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, once again, we've talked about this is the pitching has been, you know, the best story of this year, you know. Now, just to, to put into reference, 
the hitting has not been up to par that we're used to as fans, but they're still ranked third in the AL in regard to runs scored and uh, different stats like that. But, you know, it, you see against teams, especially these sub-500 teams or close to 500 teams like the Orioles, and they're getting practically no hit by no names. People with six ERAs, you know, people who have pitchers who have not been doing well against other teams. And I think, you know, the biggest thing is just that they're missing some of that big hitting. And, and, and you know, we'll get to this more, but this Jordan, Jordan thing is really kind of making me a little bit nervous. For example, I was looking at his stats in uh, July compared to August. He only has one home run in August. In regard to his barrel percentage, so like how much he's squaring the ball and hitting it over an exit velocity of 98%, he's half of what he had in July. So he's having issues with his hand. Uh, and, and I actually heard it's the other hand, not the one that he hurt, not his right hand. It's his left hand that's a problem. He got a shot to take care of it. So we'll see if he's in the lineup tonight. But he's not been the same player, and that affects everyone. It really does. So really, see, what I'm is this a situation where – he needs surgery, and they're trying to push it off to get through the season. And if that's the case, like, what realistic hope is there that he's really going to be anywhere near himself for the rest of the season? Well, I don't think it's surgery needed. Um, the, the biggest thing, and Dusty talked about this a few weeks ago, he's having an issue mentally with his hand. So his other hand, the right hand that he hurt earlier, is fine. Does not need surgery. Now he's can't get past that injury, which happens a lot. You saw this with Jake Myers, who had just got option to um, to AAA. He was having an issue with his throwing arm. He's fine medically, but he can't get past that. I think also we saw that with Alex Bregman last year with his legs. He was fine medically, but he couldn't get past this issue. And this game is mostly, mostly mental. It's all you know muscle memory until they get to the batter's box and what they can do with it. So for Jordan, I think he's fine. He just needs to rest. He needs to get his he needs to get his swing back. Hey, throw down some bunts. Get him on base. Doesn't matter. <laughs> but you know what's interesting is that with James Click bringing up Yanir Diaz, who's uh, hitting like a fiend in AAA right now. He's hitting 316. He's got three homers, uh, or excuse me, he's got nine homers with AAA. He's got 16 with. Or excuse me, he had nine with Corpus. He had sixteen with Sugarland. He's on fire. They're trying to bring up other bats to get these players rest before the playoffs. That's all that matters. So, what do you think the chances are that they'll put him on the um, put Alvarez on the on the IL? Just uh, or do you think it's not an IL that situation where IL will fix? I don't think it's IL worthy. I mean, if he would have been on it, it would have been last week or the week before. There's been many times he could have been on it. I think he's fine. I just think it's a confidence issue. And the beautiful thing about the schedule right now, as well as the expanded rosters, is that you've got players in there that can take him out of the lineup for now. Why remove him for 10 games when he's medically fine? When you can just kind of put him in, pinch hit him, get his confidence back, make sure he doesn't get injured. You've got, you know, all of next month until the playoffs start. And that, this is and this is what happens in September. You know, cores start running up, teams start using other players, the teams who are trying to tank are gonna start putting their minor league players in. 
you know, different things like that. And that's what you'll see with the lineups are going to be confusing for people because right now all that matters is to stay healthy. So he's fine. He doesn't need the IL. Now, Lemus Diaz, he did need the IL because of his groin issue. And they're testing him out. I bet he's going to be off that pretty soon as well. All right. So, Diaz, what position could he play defensively at the major league level? Well, so, Yanir Diaz is a catcher in the system. And he's played first base a handful of times. The biggest issue with him, and this is where probably why Cleveland was able to trade him away. So, just quick reference. Yanir Diaz was traded to the Astros for Phil Maton. Uh, when they sent Miles Straw to Cleveland. Uh-huh. He just was kind of thrown in as a catcher. Well, what they've realized is that he hits very, very well, uh, but he doesn't have a true position. So they've tried him at first base. They've tried him at left field a few games, and then now um, they're, of course, catcher. It's just that scouts have said he's not defensively there. So I think we'll see him as a DH. And this also speaks a lot to Jordan as well. They're going to bring up Yanir to help him get that DH role, get the at-bats, give rest to Jordan and Vincenian players like that. So I think you'll probably see him majority of DH. All right. The other big issue to discuss is Justin Verlander. It didn't look bad when he walked off the field after the third inning. Um, and yet, you know, could – you know, is there any risk that he would not be ready for, you know, come October? So if you go to my Twitter page, Michael Schwab 13 uh, on Twitter, I have pinned a video where I think that uh, JV might have hurt his calf. And what you see is that in this really crazy play that was happening, he takes this quick step to first, and then he looks like he's grimacing after. He wasn't, he wasn't limping or anything. So they're worried about his calf. I haven't heard too much particularly on the inside, besides that they're just waiting on the MRI. If I could put a bet on it, and I'm just looking at his age and what happened, I'm I'm thinking we might miss him for all of September. That's a possibility. And you've got Hunter Brown coming up, who's going to probably take his rotation spot. Hunter Brown's the top prospect for the Astros. He's ranked number 71st in the top 100 players in, in MLB. He's been doing great in AAA He'll step into that position and maybe have a role for the playoffs. But for JV, it's a wait-and-see moment. It could be a situation where they're like, hey, we dodged a bullet, two weeks. Or they could be, hey, grade two uh, strain on his calf, four to six weeks, he'll be ready for the playoffs. That's kind of the thing. I I don't think it's grade three because he was walking fine. But you just have to be careful with older players especially pitchers. No question. Now, you don't think they would want to try to get him back to make at least one start before the playoffs? Well, I mean, that would probably make the most sense, but you can't – what would you want? Would you want him to you know, get injured in a regular season game or save them completely and just go send them to uh, you know, Florida to have them throw <laughs> some simulated games? Right. You know, what we know about Justin Verlander is that he has the ability, no matter what he can do, to turn it on, and that's what he has that strength in because he's been doing this for so long. He's Hall of Fame worthy. This would have been a Cy Young year if he pitched in September. We'll see if he does. Um, They're going to be as extremely careful with him as possible. And uh, like I said, there's places where he can throw that's not a big deal. 
But if he's if he's well enough to where he can throw one start in the last week of the, of the season, yeah, go for it. It just depends how serious. The you know, is. I'm gonna we'll be talking more about this in about two weeks. But I don't know if you've looked at this Astros schedule down this stretch. They're going to be playing teams that on paper are going to be fighting for wild card spots, and the Astros theoretically could be, you know, very much in a close race. Uh, for the number one seed in the American League. So it, 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 that makes it a little trickier. Like, who do you play and who do you sit down to stretch? How important do you think it's for them to be the number one seed? Well, I mean, see, this is where it gets kind of uh, a little strange because, you know, how, if you're the first, if you're the number one seed, you know, that's a good place to be because you get home field advantage through the ALCF. Now, if you have the number one record, over everything, you've got the uh, home field in the World Series as well. Well, if you're the number one seed, you're going to play the wild card teams, the loser, you know, the bottom two of the wild card, which right now, uh, if I look at the standings, I believe that's probably the Blue Jays are the Mariners. Right. But, you know, that that's a tough thing to be in because you, if you're the second seed, then you can play the winner of the AL Central, which is just kind of a mess right now. That's either the Twins or the Guardians. So, you know, on paper, hey, it'd be great to play the Twins or the Guardians. But you do want to have the ALCS in the bucket. So you you shoot for it. Now, if you look at the schedule, here's the thing about it. Though there are teams that are fighting for the wild card, the Astros don't have to play the Mariners again, which is not a big deal. They're playing 18 consecutive teams starting today on teams who have records below 500. Yeah, but and that, the Astros are yeah. decent versus that, but you know, it, it's like you're saying, which which lineup are we going to see? Are we going to see AAA or are we going to see Major League? Yeah. That's where it gets interesting. It's going to be uh yeah, the, you know, I just as long as they avoid sweeps, they can lose two out of three, they'll be fine. I just don't want to go into one of these long slumps. So no, it will be very interesting to see what Alvarez does from here on out and, and how many games Verlander pitches the rest of the regular season. I appreciate your time as always, sir. Thank you very much. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate you. Talk to you next week. Take care. Thank you. Michael Schwab of the Juice Box Journal. He does a great job. I haven't looked at that video that he's talking about. I saw it. I wasn't actually watching the game at the time. I was following it on my phone, and when I went home that night, I always taped the game, so I went back and looked, and I didn't see anything, but I was seeing him from the waist up in that particular scenario that he was talking about. So uh, we're going to have to go to him and uh, to his and see that video and see maybe where Verlander got hurt. That'll do it for this segment. We'll take a timeout and be back on the game. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. We talked about it for a long time, many years. It one of the, and it's one of the reasons why I don't like the NFL expanding its schedule. I think one of the toughest things to do in sports is, depending on if you're at the very top or the very bottom, is how do you finish a season? You know, how many times have we seen it where a team in different sports where they're just, especially baseball, where which is a rhythm game and a timing game, and, 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 and you clinched in early September, 
and you're just in cruise control forever. And then the wild card team that had to fight, scratch, and claw just to get into the playoffs, and then they win a first-round series or recently that one-game playoff, and then you're just on fire. And you're you're in go mode, and you're playing a team that's won 10 or 15 more games than you maybe, but they've been in cruise control for a month, and the the team that's in go mode actually has that an advantage. It, it's it's very difficult to be able to just turn on that switch sometime. And how you finish seasons, you know, some NFL teams set all their players, others don't. Um, it, it, it's a tricky process, and the Astros are about to go. You know, we're in September, what, in two days? Well, I don't know when September. I think we're in September uh, on Thursday. Yeah, in two days. So it's tricky. And, you know, Verlander probably is, to Michael Schwab's point, one of the guys that could just not pitch again the rest of the regular season and probably really be ready for that first playoff start. But, man, that just seems... That does not seem like a best-case scenario there. So it will be, again, some potentially very weighty issues facing the Astros, even though they're four games up on the American League right now. That'll do it for our number one next hour to follow on the game. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. The game hotline, 706-0111, 706-0111. If you would like to get in, talk Saints, talk Major League Baseball. If you would like... Um, to talk high school football, we'll do a little high school football talk in just a second, as we and we'll do more of that. We'll be talking Cajun football in the next segment with Cody Juno. Uh, LSU kind of, sort of had somewhat of an announcement. You know, I've been um, the secrecy, the CIA version of era of sports, as I call it, that we're in right now. Um, is you know it's what Kelly's doing, and he's trying to play the game a game with with the opposition. Um, Coach Hud did that his very first year, as I remember. He was trying to figure out. You know, he kept it secret. I want to say his first game was in Stillwater against Oklahoma State, and 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 going in. You know, we didn't know who the starting quarterback was going to be until they actually went on the field that day. Uh, did anybody really know? I'm sure a lot of people had pretty good guesses. You know, I guess you got I guess when you come out and do what Kelly did, you what do you do? Practice indoors or you need to make sure there's no little spies watching your practices. Again, that's it. It's all just it's the CIA era. It's like gotta keep everything secret. Got to make sure there's no um, New England Patriot drones out there, you know, taping your practice. Who knows? Uh, it, it, it's it's is it really that important? I guess they do it. 
because they feel like it's really an advantage. Maybe they've been on the other side of that coin enough and it was a, they felt like it was a disadvantage. I don't know. It um I do think Florida State's got a little bit of an advantage in that they played a game. We talked about that yesterday. We'll talk with all of this with Koki Riley tomorrow um, in the 9 o'clock hour, about 9.15. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111. I said I'd talk a little high school football. The first Louisiana Sports Writers Association State high school football poll was released early this morning. Acadiana, the Wrecking Rams, and again, you can you can hear all the Acadiana games. Me TV FM ninety seven seven FM and thirteen thirty AM. Be sure to go um, get the Rams and lock it in on a free on a free app. That way, it's a lot easier to access. And on game night, you're not fumbling around like someone like me would be. But Acadiana begins the season ranked number four in Class Five A in Class Four A. Congratulations to the defending 4A state champion Westgate Tigers. They will open the season ranked number one. Uh, Lafayette Christian is number four uh, in the first ranking, and St. Thomas Moore is number six. And, again, you can hear St. Thomas Moore right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette. In Class 3A, St. Martinville opens the season, ranked number 6, Abbeville number 9, and Church Point number 10. And we plan to talk to Coach um, John Craig Arsenault of the Church Point Bears tomorrow. Notre Dame in Class 2A is ranked 4th in the first poll, and in Class 1A, Opelousas Catholic 6th and Vermilion Catholic 8th. All right, let's go to the game hotline. And talk to the FedEx man. Hello. Good morning there, Mr. Bush. Good morning, sir. I know you have tunnel vision when it comes to the Astros, but you did get to see that uh, that close I was talking about, did you? Yeah, and uh, no, I mean, he's good, no question. I mean, of course, you know, getting the Astros out right now, I don't know how good of a pitcher it, it, it requires. <laughs> no kidding. That guy, that guy is massive. My God, that catcher went to greet him at the end of the game. He only reached him uh, at his chest. That's it. By, by the way, by the way, that catcher I think is really good. Oh, yeah. He wasn't in the morning. They said he was a no miss prospect when he got the drafted. The, the, the Orioles just held him back, I think, to, to hold him back because they weren't that good. He could have yeah. been in the major leagues uh, last year. Playing. Yeah, I really – I think he – I like – the little bit I saw of him – you know, uh, it just seems like he's he gets it. He he, he seems like he's a natural. Uh, you know, he's gotten a lot of big hits. I, I think he's going to be good. I think he's going to not, not all top prospects pan out, but I think he will. And you know that little Mike, that little Mike Beto is going to be good for them too. I mean, look, let me tell you something. They are the new they are the new Houston Astros. They are a team that was had a lot of losing records and they're stocked up on draft picks, and now they are all going to start to. Uh, Get the rewards of that, and you know, I don't like to see the, uh, a new blood come up there. Uh, uh, drop all them other uh, teams from the the East out, like the Yankees and the Red Sox. Let them be the bottom for a while. Wouldn't that be good? I'm all for that. And the smartest thing they did was push them fences back. It was just too easy to hit a home run before. It's hard to pitch that way. 
Kevin, they're going to talking about the Astros. What do you think they're going to do with Berlin? I think with their large league, they're going to be very cautious with him uh, here on out, don't you think? Yeah, and I, I, Michael kind of thinks that he might not pitch again in the whole regular season. Yeah, I kind of think that's what they're going to do. I mean, well, you know, he's a veteran pitcher. He don't need to be stressed out. You know, he don't need to, and you know, like these younger ones do. Uh, I don't think he's going to pitch again. I agree with that. It's very possible. It's you very possible. Uh, they call up. You think when it comes full season, you know, your little uh, uh, hot uh, prospect pitcher, you think they're going to keep him on the uh, full season roster? Well, if, if he if he pitches well, in fact, in his last start in AAA, he pitched in relief, which I don't I don't know if that was pre-planned, and then my, you know because Michael seems to think he's going to go in the rotation now. I was thinking they were doing that in relief, and maybe they had planned to do that before Verlander tweaked whatever he you know his calf or whatever on on Sunday. So I, I kind of thought he'd pitch in relief, but now it looks like he he might be in a rotation. And but but that doesn't mean he can't pitch in relief in the postseason. So if he pitches well, I'm sure he would get that chance. Have you ever pitched in the major league yet? Like no, year, uh, no, no. Nope. So well, it'll right be then. you know again. We'll see how he does in September. All right, Kevin. You have a good one, buddy. You too. Thanks. You know. um, FedEx man's punk, the punks. I mean, they've had their own issues with Kershaw and and Bueller, and 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 he's done. Kershaw may come back, and Gonsolin's on the IL now. I'm sure that's just more of a you know the kind of kind of like he's talking about with Verlander along that line, and you know their their pitching rotation has been up and down um, with it because of injuries, and they've had to manage, and they they've, they've done more than manage. I mean, I think everybody believes they're going to finish the the season with the number one record in the in the whole league, and we all know that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win come the postseason. It's just you never know in any sport, but you kind of know in the NBA for the most part. Uh, in football, there's some upsets, but not normally a lot. Baseball, you just you just don't know what's going to happen in the postseason. It, it's um. It's to me. It's way more unpredictable. It's way more likely that a wild card is going to beat a top one or two seed in, in baseball because it's just it's just the nature of, of the sport. It's um it's tougher. No question. So, Foot, I have some breaking news for you. Uh oh. Ian Rappaport just uh, tweeted out that the Saints are trading defensive back C.J. Garner Johnson to the Eagles. After extension talks broke down, the focus shifted from keeping Garner Johnson to trading him. Philly lands now a starter. I know you might want to be happy about that. David just called to tell me. And then, of course, we flooded our group chat. To the Eagles? Yes, sir. So you're going to trade him to a team who you already can't beat. Mm-hmm. And what are they getting for this trade? That I don't have the answers to yet, but I will find that out for you. But all I have right now is what Ian Rappaport has posted. Unbelievable. Uh, Just unbelievable. Awful. Well, we've been talking about how deep the safety position is. They just cut into that. I mean, he, who cares? 
I mean, this is not like, well, I got to get something for, you know, Shohei Otani, so I got to trade him or I'm going to lose him. I mean, he's he's a really good player, but he's not like, oh, if you lose him, then how how is your franchise going to move on? I mean, that's crazy. And plus, what are you going to get for him anyway? What are you going to get for him anyway? I mean, I I don't know what they're going to get, but it's not like they're gonna, you don't get that much back. This is in, in football trades. Just write, write him out. If you lose him, you lose him. Who cares? Oh, this is just awful. This is just awful. What in the world? Who cares if you lose him? Ride him out and try to go to the Super Bowl. And if you lose him, you lose him. You worry about that next year. This is just... This is awful. And then... The Eagles already own you. It just... You know, we've had some... They had the pinning injury, but it hasn't been every day. Like It seemed like last year, every day was bad news. And now we get this bombshell. And then depression set in. Let's take one call on the game hotline, and then we'll see if we have enough energy to talk about anything else. Cody Juno will be on next. He's a Saints fan, too, so we can struggle together. Hello. Terrible morning this today, Foot. Oh, just awful. Terrible morning. I mean, got the Yankees doing bad with the little MVPs, and now I hear this news from Miss Hannah. But I think we we just traded our attitude of our defense. That attitude that what every defensive needs, he brings that aggressiveness, competitiveness, you don't get rid of a guy like that. You pay that guy. You keep that guy. I think our defense is going to take a blow by losing that guy. That one guy makes a difference on our defense, but he does. He He's that guy in that locker room and on that field that makes you, you want to move him out. He makes you want to go hit somebody and do your job and do even more. I think our defense is in trouble. I wonder who made that call. Is it upstairs or is it that stupid coach? I want to Well, coaches don't move. make coaches don't make calls like that. I mean, that that, that has nothing to do with. You the think coach. that's old Loomis? Well, yeah. I mean, coaches don't make calls like that. To trade a guy? Yeah, that that that. I mean, I'm not saying they don't have any input, but Dennis Allen didn't make that call. No. So this this is about money. Yeah, so this is a. Uh, yeah. That, that got to be stupid, Loomis. 
Lord. Well, Lord, I just want to speak here, that, and I'm going to let you go because my, my morning just really went down. You have Awful. a good one. All right. Oh, you got it. All right. We will um, go to a time, take a time out, come back, and and shift gears. I don't know if my mind's capable of it right now, but we'll try. Cody Juno next, talking Cajun football in the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. The guys here in the game dugout love baseball. It was the game that was passed down to them by their fathers. Hey, Dad? You want to have a catch? I'd like that. Not all of them had such heartwarming moments. This guy threw at his own kid in a father's son game. Now back to more baseball talk here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Want to remind you about the Game Rewards Club. If you would like to win $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse, a $50 gift certificate to Acadiana Bar and Grill, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. You can't do it unless you join the Game Clubhouse. So do so today by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041 thegame.com it's free it's simple so sign up today all right i need to talk about something else but i don't know if my little mind's capable of it but we're gonna attempt it we have cody juno with us how are you sir i'm good uh like you trying to still process what uh what's happening down there in the big easy but i'm sure uh there there's a reason behind the move it, it seems like it's contract related um why you just don't let him continue to play out and, and you know, we'll have to see what they get back in return. I guess that's the first piece to understanding this. Yes. And why is that not information not out yet? Like, I mean, I don't know. It's like, they just want to give us a heart attack and offer no CPR on the other side. <laughs> that's basically well, what's uh, happening right now. Yeah. Well, that's okay though. I, I, I figured you've got a very metered reaction to all of this. So oh. you're Mr. Glass half full after all. Oh, well. All right. Well, the Cajuns will open the season on um, Saturday about a little after 6 o'clock against Southeastern. Um, it was a pretty short presser yesterday. And one of the things I didn't get to ask, and, and I would think they're going to remind this team of the Nichols State, the Nichols game last year. You know, the Cajuns kind of, I guess they kind of felt like they sleptwalk a little bit, and and this team's about in that you know from the same conference, and they both had success in recent years. And I still believe that if Chris Moncrief doesn't get that that pick six, that the Cajuns don't win that game. So do you feel like that's going to play a role, or the coaches are going to bring that up this week? Oh, I think so. And and again, now you go back five years ago, right? Remember that uh, the Cajuns nearly went to overtime. Uh, eking out a 54 or uh, 51-48 victory over Southeastern Louisiana uh, way back in, in Mark Hudson's final season uh, as the Cajuns coach. So there's certainly a history here. Uh, you know, you and I 
spoke a, a year ago, Kevin, right, and, and where this program is, and, and these games are no longer question marks, and they shouldn't be question marks, right? The reality is the expectation to win. Uh, the Cajuns are a better football team, a better program. Uh, the depth, right, all of the wins that have, have you know, and, and just understanding how to win, doing those little things. All that being said, you better be ready to play each and every week because as we've seen, you know, maybe with the exception of Alabama and, and Ohio State heading into to 2022, um, you know, while there are gaps uh, between other teams in the country, that those gaps are, are much smaller, right, given the transport portal, um, you know, how student-athletes are able to move around and, and, and rosters are able to be created uh, by coaching staffs. You better come out ready to play and have things strapped up for 60 minutes. The good thing is, you know, the Cajuns have some new players, but so does so do the Lions. I mean, they have a new quarterback. They lost a couple of their or their wide receivers, and so they're they're going to be trying to establish a little bit of a I don't know about identity on offense, but at least you know uh, personnel that leads to execution on offense. And so, um, you know, it's going to be very much a first game for them as well. Yeah, no doubt. Cephas Johnson, if that name sounds familiar, he takes over at quarterback. He started his career at South Alabama. I don't think, you know, going back and looking through numbers, actually played against uh, the Cajuns in 2018 or 19 before he transferred to southeastern Louisiana, but a name that I think Cajun fans are familiar with. Uh, as you mentioned, it's going to be his first year starting, has played, uh, but the reality is that they're, placed, they're replacing Cole Kelly, the Walter Payton Award winner, right? The Heisman Trophy of FCS football, 8,600 yards and 72 touchdowns in just three seasons. I mean, that's just, you know, some, you know as you would like to say, that's video game type numbers. Um, and so, but all that being said, this is not his first start being Johnson, right? This is not going to be his first time playing college football, uh, so a little bit of an experienced guy, albeit making his first start as a lion. So, you know, I, 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 from what I remember from him, he could run, but wasn't much of a passer. And so, I, you know, I would, I, I would um, think that 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 that's something the Cajun should be able to take advantage of, unless he's really improved in that area. Well, to your point, right, last year in limited duties, and, and this was somewhat as a wide receiver and somewhat as a running back, right, a little bit of, of a gadget to get him on the field, 37 uh, carries, three hundred or 260 yards, four scores. Um, you know, he completed just 12 of 49, right? So to your point, the passing doesn't seem to necessarily uh, be there now, 149 yards and, and a score. But, yes, I think you're certainly going to expect maybe the Southeastern offense – to look a little bit different where they were trying to throw the football, you know, a season ago using that right arm uh, of Cole Kelly. Maybe they're going to switch things up. They've got, uh, you know, three new offensive starters on the offensive line, but the two guys they have coming back on that left side, the left tackle and the left guard, uh, Jalen Bell and Josh Allen, both all Southland Conference performers. So I would imagine that, you know, if they're going to try to dial things up and get things through that run game, look for them to do so on that left side. You know, we're all saying that, um, you know, we're all saying, uh, talking about Johnson. I mean, I wonder if there's a chance because of his skill set is not exactly what most quarterbacks are, if they're going to play two quarterbacks at all. 
You know, it, it, I mean, just kind of doing a little bit of research coming out of, of camp with, with Southeastern, I mean, I, I don't know that that's kind of in the game plan. I guess, you know, we'll, we'll find out together on Saturday at, the, at 6 o'clock at, at Cajun Field, to, to your point. And, um, you know, it's um, we're going to see how that the coaching staff kind of responds. Again, it's not like they're losing just kind of – any average old Joe at quarterback, right? They're losing a guy that threw for 8,600 yards in just 33 uh, career games. Again, we're speaking with Cody Juno. Cajuns open the season on Saturday. I think I think one of the things the Cajuns are going to do the best of on defense is rush the passer. But if you're facing a guy who's more of a runner than a passer, that makes rushing the passer a little trickier and a little more dangerous at times. So I wonder if they're going to um, be a little bit more stay home and not be quite so aggressive on the edges. Well, what it does is it makes sure you've got to keep your lane integrity, right? You've got to play assignment sound football, meaning make sure you're keeping your contain. We'll see if the Cajuns maybe employ more of a zone look as opposed to a man look, so those guys out there in the secondary have their eyes on Cephas Johnson, as opposed to trailing wide receivers and can come up in the flats and, and, and make any plays should he take off. But look, I, I think the cage of defense, right, to your point, you know, led by, I think, Chris Jones, Chris uh, Andre Jones, excuse me, Chris Moncrief, they're going to try to get after the quarterback. The Cajuns, I don't think, can stop doing what they, what, what, you know, has made them uh, so, so effective. Uh, over the last four seasons, right? We're talking about a Cajun defense that gave up just 18 and a half points, you know, per game. And in college football in this day and age, that is, I mean, mind blowing, right? Uh, I, I know this is the kind of football that, that you really in, enjoy uh, as opposed to the, you know, the, the, the video game type numbers that we see. So I think for the Cajuns, it's all about lane, lane integrity and discipline and assignment football. All right, you and I, since we last spoke, we went back and forth on the Cajuns quarterback decision. They announced a week ago yesterday officially that Chandler Fields is the starting quarterback, and and we had commented that the reason why you do that is because you really want to be aggressive, and and, and Mike was more of an aggressive, let's go for it type player as, as a player quarterback, and now he's choosing a guy who can throw it down the field. We saw in the second scrimmage, some deep sideline patterns, and I think we're going to see more of that now than we've seen here at Cajun Field by the home team in a long time. Yeah, I, I think it's to your point, right? It's going to be a little bit of a, of a, of a change-up. Cajuns have relied on that run, and by no means do I think the Cajuns are going to get away from running the football, but I think there's going to be a little bit more of an emphasis on pushing the ball down the field, almost using the pass to set up the run, <laughs> Pushing it down the field using those deep to immediate, you know, intermediate routes, a lot of crossing routes, a lot of climbs. To your point, those deep throws down the sideline to really, really back that secondary off, and then go ahead and let that running game get going uh, underneath. Look, I'm excited to see Chandler get out there and play. Happy for Chandler after you know sitting behind Levi for the past three seasons. He's come in in very limited duty as a as a Cajun backup, right? And you know, I will say this: the one thing that I really, really liked about Billy Napier's style and, and what he did was when Chandler Fields entered the game in mop-up duty, it wasn't just turn around and hand the ball off. The Cajuns continued to execute the offense, which meant what? Chandler got meaningful reps in game action, and I think that's going to bode well as the season uh, as the season kicks off here. 
All right, again, we're speaking with uh, Cody Juno, And so tell me, uh, you know, do you think, am I fooling myself? Is Neil Johnson about to become a star, or am I fooling myself because I love the tight end position so much? Uh, there is a great fascination in this city with tight ends, uh, maybe because they've been so underutilized, really going back to, uh, you know, you saw the success that, that you go back to a guy like Ladarius Green, right, really – kind of put that position and that you go back though to that you know late 2009 10 into 11 and 12 and that tight end position itself as a whole was really kind of turning into a giant mismatch where you know the, the linebackers weren't fast enough to keep up and the safeties weren't big enough uh and so you saw a, a weapon well now we've also seen those defenses kind of catch up right We've seen those defensive ends in some cases can get out and run with those guys, and those linebackers are certainly capable of. And now the safeties are bigger than we've ever, ever seen them. So um, I think that has a little bit to do with how the tight end position has been used. I, I think, you know, candidly, they play a bigger role in some offenses than others. Now keep in mind, Des coached the tight ends for the last three seasons, four seasons uh, under Billy Napier. So he's certainly very familiar, uh, but – Look, I do think that if the if the passing game is going to be kind of as prolific or maybe relied upon as we think it, it, it will be uh, heading into the season, then yeah, I certainly believe that the tight ends are going to play a very big role in that, and, and more so than just underneath and in the flat, right? They're going to try to stretch the middle of the football field uh, with, with some of those deep routes up, uh, up and down the seam. If you believe what you've heard, and again, coaches and players say things in preseason and you – you know, you just – it is what it is. But if you believe what you heard, um, Terrence Williams might have made the biggest jump from what we saw last year in a very small sample size to what he is now physically and just that progress. And, you know, I'm anxious to see if it's going to be him or who else that's going to make the big impact um, – uh, in the running game, along with Chris Smith, but but I'm hearing some really good things and very anxious to see uh, Terrence Williams perform. Well, look, I mean, look, I think when you go back and you look at how the Cajuns recruited over the last four years, uh, there's a reason they went out and got him out of Manny High School in Manny, Louisiana, right? And 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 so, you know, you you go into camp a season ago and you talk with folks uh, coming out of camp. And there wasn't a large gap between Montreal Johnson, who ended up being the Sunbelt Conference Freshman of the Year, and, and has now since transferred out, of course, and the other kind of freshman that he beat out, right? And if you remember, he slowly kind of worked his way into that to that rotation. So there is talent in that backfield. There's talent in that running back room for Coach Matt Bergeron. Uh, so no, I'm not surprised to see you know the reports and, and hearing those kind of things coming out of camp. Look, I think. Again, the question for many of us is it's just new names, right? It's learning these new names. But there's no reason um, to believe that there's going to be this massive drop-off to that running back position. Yes, you, you've got to replace tremendous talent. Uh, you've got to replace guys that we, we just happen to know who they are, right? And I think by the time the season's over with, you're going to know each of those running backs without a doubt. All right, and you might not know one more question. You may not know – this answer, but I just want to see. Like, I have this feeling because he's been throwing out hints, Coach Des, that there's going to be a couple players play that we haven't even spoken about yet that are going to get fairly significant playing time. Like, do you have any like 
like dark horse, like watch out for this guy because he might play a bigger role, not necessarily just in this game, but maybe this game, but this season. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, he's certainly talked about it, and he certainly had his moments, but right, let's see how a guy like Jacob Bernard, uh, does he get more significant playing time than, than a season ago, right? Had the kind of big catch against Texas, had the catch in the bowl game, but it was kind of lost it really in between the rest of the season there. You know, how does a guy like that perform? Who's going to be maybe that third running back, um, you know, that, that comes in when we talk about that? Is there somebody along that offensive line where all of a sudden, you know, I think back to a year ago, and, and David Hudson is, is probably, you know, man number eight, seven, eight, nine. And all of a sudden, towards the end of the year, he's getting meaningful snaps, rotating in, you know, eventually gets that starting position. What are the, the offensive linemen that maybe we're not paying attention to that come in and, and, and they're able to provide real quality depth along that offensive front? So I think those are positions to keep an eye on. Uh, you know, we talk about the Cajun secondary. It's incredibly deep, but maybe are there a couple pieces back there? And and same thing that goes at that linebacker. But to give you a specific name, uh, no. But, you know, that's what uh, the good news is. We're just four days away from kickoff. All right, sir. We'll have a lot more specifically to talk about next week. But it's, it, it's going to be exciting. And uh, we know one thing. At least Chauncey Garner-Johnson won't be playing for Southeastern. That that. That we can confirm. He will apparently be wearing green this year, though. Uh, also can't confirm that, yes, for the oh. reports out there. Oh. All I'm right. You look, okay? look, look, no, not, not, not okay. Not okay, but we'll see you on Saturday. Hopefully I, I make it to then. Okay, I'm sure you will. All right. Thank All right, you. We'll you Take week. care. Cody Juno. Cody just knows how to uh, – Cody's one of the calm voices who gets me – and it's always a good thing when I get a chance to talk to him because he he knows how I think and he can add just enough seriousness slash humor to try to maybe kind of sort of get me through rough spots. And he does not like Hannah's Seattle Mariners, but that's that's an old joke. All right, we'll take a timeout. I'll continue to try to lick wounds, and wonder, why is only one side of this trade being reported? It's driving me crazy. We'll be back on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry, we're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. The Lil MVPs. The Little MVPs. Now, a Major League Baseball team that struggles to win games despite having multiple MVP winners on its roster. Also known as the Los Angeles Angels. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, and the news just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. This is what the Saints, not only did the Saints trade Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, they also gave up a seventh-round pick in 2025. And what they got back from the Eagles is a fifth-round pick next year 
and the worst of the six-round pick two years from now. So nothing. They got nothing back. They traded a plus starter and got nothing in return. A plus starter and got nothing in return. I mean, they they, they could they could have at least gotten a backup running back. I mean, keep your little six-round pick. Give me a backup running back at least. Can I get a reserve offensive tackle? I could have taken two backup players. I got two late draft picks. Two late draft picks. I didn't even, I mean, again, at least give me a backup running back. Would have helped this team more than two late round draft picks. This is just absolutely awful. Awful. Let's go to the game hotline. Hey, I understand where you're coming from, but you should have, instead of being surprised, you should have known the writing was on the walls from the beginning. They signed Marcus May. They drafted a cornerback in the second round, and they signed Tyron Matthew. CD said he wanted to be the highest-paid player at his position. Do you really think they was going to tie up all that money into a nickel player that only plays nickel? Well, he he he's I don't know. He's part of he's the new way of playing um, defense where where you don't have linebackers, and he's he's basically a rover. But. Why not just have him there and play him and then lose him? Who cares? You didn't get anything for him anyway. Okay, but the writing was on the wall. So for what? With the, with, the, with the mind frame that that he was gone, that that he was okay. Going to be gone. I'm fine with him leaving after the season. I, I have no issue with that. But again, you you make these kind of moves because you say, "Well, I got to get some." Well, they didn't get anything. That, that, that's where I understand. They, they didn't get anything. So all you did was lose them and make yourself worse, and you didn't, you didn't get anything. Well, we, uh, with him, we should have been shopping for a running back. That running back we both looking for, we should have been shopping for a running back. But as being surprised as he's getting cut and then people asking why did we cut him, I mean – that's why we but again, That's why I'm fine with him leaving after the season. I have no issues with that. None. But you got if you're going to trade him, then you got to get something for him. Right, right. I understand that point, but nobody should be surprised with him with, with, with why he's getting cut or why he's getting traded. But we, we should have at least have something for him. I understand that point. Well, no, but why not – why not? You're saying it wasn't a functional situation, like they could. Right. It was impossible for them to play for him to play for the Saints this year. No, I'm not saying it was impossible. I'm just saying like there was no reason for them to pay him, and the writing was on the wall that he was gone. Yeah, I but you're talking about regardless. paying him for next year, right? right. Who cares about next year? But I'm, what I'm trying to say is that. No, nobody should be surprised that he was going because that's the reason they drafted the cornerback, and that's the reason they picked up all these safeties like like Tyron Matthew and Marcus May. That's the reason they picked them up because they knew, regardless, that 
They were yeah, but they had to replace. They picked those guys to replace the two that they left. They, they, I mean, they had to pick up safeties, whether Chauncey Garner Johnson was in anyway, because they just lost their two safeties. And the cornerback that they just drafted this year and the cornerback that they drafted last year, they, they, they knew the potential that Chauncey Gordon Johnson had. And he, he tweeted what a few months ago that he wanted to be the highest paid player at his position. And the way Loomis works, I mean, he's going to set himself at a number and if you're either going to take it or leave it. And, no, I get your point. I, I I get your point. I just, man, I again, I'd rather have him. And oh, I don't know. I, pre- I I appreciate the call. Thank you very much, sir. All right. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hello. Yes. Um. Yeah, I know. Uh, I think last week I brought I brought up Drake, <clears throat> Kenyon Drake. You know, Ravens might go out of him. I see that might happen now. Ravens uh, released a safety, Jefferson. Would you? Would that interest you, picking up uh, Tony Jefferson? I mean, I'm sure he's played. Seemed like the Saints have played them several times in preseason games recently. So I'm sure they have a pretty good read on him. I, I you know, the truth of the matter is, th- this is arguably the deepest position they have. I just don't like messing up. The the mo you know it just it just adds a whole huge question mark on a defense that was supposed to be the steadying influence on this team going into the season. Uh, you know the last call he made some great points. Um, what um, you know, guy wants to get paid. I'm sure a contract is going to get uh, mentioned soon with the Eagles. Who knows? Um, but hey, you know, I think, like you said, the depth's all right, and I know I feel where you're coming from. But you just never know the situation uh, within the locker rooms uh, with a player like that. Uh, you know, who knows how he could have been popping off? Who knows? I don't know. I don't want to get into that. But you know, they made a move. But like you said, man, a seventh rounder. They got nothing for him. I mean, that's the thing that's so. I mean. The whole thing is upsetting, but to get absolutely nothing, I mean, really, I would have I would have rather they had traded him for two backups that are already on their team than, than to trade him for a fifth round and a sixth round pick. I mean, that's just awful. All right, thank you. Thank you. Just now again, <clears throat> I'm assuming, and we don't know, to Jay's point, we don't know. But I'm assuming he's like, well, I'm not playing. I'm holding out. And they're like, well, we're not doing this holding out thing all year. All right. We got to take a break. I've got to go jump off a cliff. Um, I'll see if I can find one. And I can't jump. So this is very problematic. We'll be back. On the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. All right, we got time for one more quick phone call. Hello. Hey, Kevin. Howdy. I I was reading what Nick Underhill had to say. He's a pretty good Saints insider, and he said it just became a situation where they – just had to do something because the guy got where he wouldn't even talk to the coaches or anything. It was just was like just becoming very disruptive, you know, in a bad 
you know, just a bad influence on everything. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I saw, I saw that. Yeah, I just. I mean, when a guy starts doing that, I mean, they, I think, feel like they got a pretty good chemistry that they didn't want to, uh, you know, mess it up. I just. But, yeah, I wish they would have gotten more, but maybe the Eagles kind of realized that they were desperate to get rid of him or something. I don't know. I mean, well, I'd I'm almost rather get nothing than got what they got. Is he going to be willing to go play for the Eagles? Because I don't think they're going to just be willing to give him some big contract. You know, I, I don't know. It's a shame that he couldn't just try and play good here, and then hopefully, if if the either works on the Saints or sign a you know a free agent deal, see see how much he's actually worth on the open market. But. I don't know, but that's what it sounds like, that he just became a, a untenable situation with his attitude. So. Awesome. All right. Thanks for the call. All right. <sighs> yeah, it was just, this is just. It's just that you're dealing with just, again, you, you, you lose pinning over the weekend. And after everything Saints fans have been through the last two years, which is bad news after bad news after bad news, he can't get a break. And then here you go, the you know all the preseason games are done, and the last one you lose. I mean, I don't think it was. Just, I don't think he was going to start, but I think at some point this year he could have started. You, either way, you're losing a first round draft pick for either most or all of the season, and, and then. And 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 now one of your better defensive players, you just lose him for nothing. You just you just lose him for nothing. I mean, it's just um, awful, just awful, awful, awful day. Now it is true that um, um, it is true that it is ar- the safety is arguably the deepest position on the team, you know. You know, Evans played very well in the preseason. Taylor is not a safety, but he's athletic enough to do a lot of the things that Chauncey Garner-Johnson did. All of that's true, but it just it, it's just an awful, awful, awful day. Y'all try to have a good one because most of us won't. Take care.